0: I uh, preached a message last week, and I want to follow up on that message. Uh, Last week was that you have a a place, that you have a seat at the table. I went with the story of Mephibosheth, and uh, today I want to talk about how you have a function and a fit in the body of Christ. Everybody say with me, function. Say, fit. Fit. And I want you to realize before you leave here today that you have a function and you have a fit in the the body of Christ. And so I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to begin in verse 12. I'm going to surprise you today. I am not using the NASB for this reading. I'm going to use the New Living. How's that? I want to use the New Living translation. Now, as I'm... As this pulling up, I want to just offer this to you. I think so many times people are trying to find their purpose in life. That's a real big deal in America, right? That I have purpose and I find my purpose and that I have, you know, what is my function? What do I do? Because in America, if you're not careful, we always associate our worth with what we do. That is not a biblical concept. In, in the Bible, you have worth because God has made a place for you in His heart. Your, your worth is not built on what you do, how you function, what your purpose is, and yet you have a purpose and you have a function. But we need to get first things first. So what I want us to make sure of is if you are struggling with, oh man, I just don't know what my purpose is, I don't know what my function is, then do you know where your place is? Let's just start there. Before you figure out your purpose, do you know your place? Now, based off of last week, where's your place? <laughs> it's at the table. Your place is before God, at the table of God, just like Mephibosheth. And today, what is your function? Well, it's based on the fact of where you fit. Now, let's go over to 1 Corinthians chapter I want to read verses 12 through 14. We'll talk and I'll read some more. It says, The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some of us are slaves, and some of us are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Now, what is this body of Christ thing? You see, this body of Christ is this analogy that Paul uses, and he uses it many times in many books of the Bible. He calls it the body of Christ, and he's talking about the church. He he uses this analogy of the human body to describe the church, but now there are two different ways we can refer to the church. So let's just do a little bit of teaching right now, if that's okay. Some of you already know this. It'll be remedial. We're just going over some stuff, but some folks will need to hear this, okay? So there is the universal church. It stretches the globe. It is every born-again believer who is called upon the name of the Lord. It stretches to India and Eastern Europe and to the, the jungles of the Amazon and in Africa. It is all over. It is the universal church. And then there is the Local church, that's us. A lot of people drive through Chester or through the south and say, well, Lord, have mercy, there's a church on every corner. There's there's churches everywhere. Why are there so many churches everywhere? Well, it was because back in the day, you couldn't drive to, to church. You had to walk to church. You had to hook up the team of mules. Oh, Lord, we're going way back, right? And, but, and so the, the church realized how important it was that it placed itself strategically across the country so that people didn't have to go very far in order to be part of the body, to be part of the, the church. And so when Paul speaks, he is speaking to the, the universal church, which you are a part of. And he is speaking to the local church, to which I, you are a part of, I hope you are a, a part of. And here's what he says, verse 12. He says, there is one body. How many bodies are there? There's just one. So you may think that we are different than the church down the street, but we're really not. It's a lot like a basketball team. Your name is on the back and the team's name is on the front. Yeah, see, it's like in in this game that we play, Ember's on the back, that's our name, but we're part of the body of Christ. Yeah, so so don't think that anybody's ever competing with the church down the street or the church across town or, or whatever because we are all part of one body. That's the name on the front of our jersey, those bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, His church. Now on the back, you can be Ember, you can be whatever. Yeah, so there's one body and it has many members, many. And then in verse 12, he says this, the body is not one member, but it's mem- But it's many. This church is not me. It's bigger than me. It's way bigger than me. It's not just one person out in the, the seats that you might think, well, that person's really important. And so really everything kind of hinges around them. No, that is not what Scripture says. It says there is one body and we are all a part of it. We all have a a part to play. Now, I want to take you over to Ephesians chapter 2. You don't have to go very far, I don't think. Just flip a few pages. Ephesians chapter 2. I want you to listen for this word, fit. What's the word? All right, we're listening for the word fit. I'm going to begin Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, and are of God's household. Then he lists some of the the gifts, and then in verse 21 he says, in whom the whole building being fitted together. What's the word? Yeah, the whole building being fitted together is growing into the holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are also being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. Everybody got that? All right, go to chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4. i want to start in verse 14. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by the craftiness and deceitful schemings, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects of him who is the head, even Christ. Who's the head of this body? Christ. Kevin's not the head of this body. Pastor D is not the head of this body. Jesus is the head of this body. Let's keep reading. From whom the whole body being fitted, what's that word? Fit. From whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. You fit in this body. I want you to know that you fit here. You see, about three weeks ago, the Lord started impressing upon my heart that people didn't know how important they were. They didn't realize the value that they held within the body of Christ, that they didn't know that, that it, you were needed, that you were important, that God had a purpose and a plan for you. And so that's why I wanted to, to preach these messages to remind you of that. And so I want you to know that you fit in the body of Christ. But I bet you there are some of you that say, but Kevin, this times I just don't feel like I fit in you ever felt like that? I bet you it would be easier for me to ask, how many of you have never questioned whether you fit? That'd probably be easier than to ask you if you've ever questioned if you did fit. Because most of us go through these times where we feel like, I just don't know if I fit. Sometimes people will move from one local body to another local body trying to to find a place where they can fit and they're trying to fit. But the reality is this, Child, you already fit. You already fit because God has placed you in His body. You fit. But I got to tell you a story. Sometimes God will do things to you, and He does them for you, but He also does them so that you can help some other people. And so today, maybe something to help me will help you. I want to take you back to a time where I was a a youth minister, and I started out at, at Blackstock, and then I moved to... What was Chester Second Baptist? And I admit that some of it was God, and some of it was that I was kind of sweet on this little girl named Brantley Bishop. And it sounded like a really good idea that I'd go over there and be the youth minister. Uh, and, And so I went over there as youth minister, and now here's what I got going for me, okay? Now I am part of the staff of this church, so I'm I'm getting paid, and it says Chester Second Baptist on it. Okay. I'm dating. The pastor's oldest daughter. Okay. And 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 so he is going to be eventually my father-in-law. Now you would think that person walks into the church every week and feels like they fit. But did you know I didn't? I didn't feel like I fit. You see, I grew up in, in Blackstock, so I spent my whole life there. But then when I when I'm moved and I'm called to Chester Second Baptist, I, I don't feel like I fit. And and so one day I remember that we were down in the social hall and we would do these Wednesday night meals and it was about fellowshipping around the table so that it helped people to fit. You got to know each other and connect with one another. And and so we're having this meal and I walk in and it's a little bit late and and I'm one of the last ones in and I, I walk in and everybody's kind of huddled up talking. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You ever seen one of those, one of them holy huddles? Yeah yeah <laughs> listen, I grew up Baptist. I know about a holy huddle okay but but there were people always they were they were huddled up, and there were guys that were my age, and I'm thinking I should at least fit over there, and they were huddled up, and they were talking, and I stood there and I went <sighs> my shoulders dropped, and I'm like. Because you know how when a circle forms, they're all kind of looking at each other and like they don't even know you're in the world. Well, that was what, and I was like, God, I don't think I fit. I walked down the hall and I went to the restroom. And I came back and they were still the same way they were when I left. (laughs) And I had this thought that ran through my mind and it didn't feel like it was mine. It felt like it was God. I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, well, just go over there and act like you belong and just see what happens. So they were huddled up and I I walked over there to them and I'm like, okay, I need to make a bold first statement because I need them to know that I'm here. you know? Because the thing that was going through my mind is I'm going to walk over, they're going to be in that huddle and I'm going to be like, hey. And they're not going to know I'm there. And then I'm going to really get my feelings hurt. So I walked over and I was like, hey guys. And you know this amazing thing happened? It was like Moses and the Red Sea. A, a miracle occurred. <laughs> that group that looked closed opened right up. And they are like, hey. Now they went on back to talking. And I don't think I, I said a word. But I realized something. They were just like me. So many times we feel like we're a part of a place where everybody's got their act together and everybody's super spiritual. But you know what? They were just ordinary guys in that group trying to figure out if they belonged or not too. And it wasn't that they were trying to keep me out. It's just that they were worried about themselves. They weren't thinking about me. But when I walked over, they made a place for me. So what I am saying to you is this. There are times where we have to initiate. We have to be the person that says, you know what? I I believe I fit here. Hey, guys, what y'all talking about? And, and make your way into the group. Now as a church, I also think that uh, every church can always do a better job of if you ever find yourself in one of those, just peek around and see if there's anybody. Wouldn't that be a good, a good thing for us to do? Just peek around and see if there's anybody that looks like maybe they're in need of, of fitting and you make sure and you say, hey, hey, come over here and bring them into the group. So if you ask yourself, I don't know if I fit, what would God say? He would say, child, you fit. You fit because I purchased you with the blood of my son, Jesus Christ. And I have placed you into the family. Now act like you belong. Can I just say that to all of us today? You belong. Just act like you belong. Just act like you're meant to be here. Because you know what? You are. Just act like you're welcome here. You know why? Because you are. We, We love you here. And then we go on. And I need to read verse. And I put my... See, I'm trying to do the NLT. I'm doing the NLT because when Paul starts talking sometimes, he gets a little wordy. Paul wrote these. And he gets real wordy in just a minute. And so I need to make sure that we're very clear and we're not getting too too wordy. So here I want to read verses 15 through 20. Are you with me? I'm back at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 15. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where it wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. What is he saying there? There are times within the church we look at people and we go, oh, but I'm not like so-and-so. Like, I'm not as gifted as so-and-so. I'm not as talented as so-and-so. I'm not as mature as so-and-so. And we start to feel like we don't fit because we're not like somebody that we're looking at. And can I tell you that comparison is a killer? Yeah. Yeah. Comparison is a killer. When you start comparing yourself to other believers, let me tell you, you're getting in trouble. When you compare yourself to anybody, you're getting in trouble because God didn't make you like anyone else. He made you like you. So you don't, yeah. So you don't look like anybody else. You don't function like anybody else. And guess what? You're not supposed to. He didn't make you that way. And so comparison is a killer. I have even heard within our group of elders that our elders would say. But so-and-so is just amazing at, and and it was administration. But the person who was saying that was very gifted in prayer and intercession. So they were looking at themselves going, I can't administrate like so-and-so. Or you might think, well, I can't pray like so-and-so or teach like so-and-so or sing like so-and-so. But you're not so-and-so. So why do you keep comparing yourself to other people? Because I assure you that you will not get happy when you compare yourself. Have any of you ever compared yourself with somebody and got happy? Yeah. Now, except for that time when that guy killed somebody, and you think, Lord, I'm glad I'm not like them. <laughs> or somebody showed up on the news and you said, Lord, I'm glad I ain't got that kind of trouble. Yeah, not that kind of comparison. The amazing thing that I love about Ember, look around for just a minute. Just turn around and look. i give you permission. Turn around and look at each other. Aren't you just stinking pretty? I mean, aren't you just beautiful? Look at you. I mean, we got all kind of ages and colors and just we come from all walks of life. Isn't that just a beautiful thing? The body of Christ is beautifully diverse. It is beautifully unique. It's, it's like these colors. Annabeth, hand me my stuff. I've hired Annabeth this morning. <laughs> now, I don't, I'm not very good with crafts and stuff like that, but I went over to Kingdom Kids, and I borrowed some colors, and from what I understand, these are primary colors. I have three of them, red, and blue, and yellow. And oftentimes, we think that God has only made just a handful of people in the church, and we all got to be just like them. But the reality is the body is far more diverse than that. The body actually looks a little bit more <laughs> like this. Y'all ever tried to go paint your house before? Anybody ever went to, to paint your house? And you know, sometimes you can be a little naive. It's like, uh, you know, I just need a couple of color samples. I just need to paint my house. And then they hand you this big old whomping thing. Can y'all see this? Let me see if I can. Can y'all see that? Look at that. Look at that. Now, I tell you what. I had to do some painting recently, and I picked something. And when I got it home, it didn't look a thing like I thought it did. Because these colors are very close, and yet they're all very different. And, And you may look similar to somebody, but you're very different. And and you're not trying to be me. I think I've shared this before, but I'm kind of a reflective person. You got people like D; they good with words, man. I mean, I've watched him speak so many times. He can get up and somebody just call him; he can preach a message, and I'm like, "That's amazing! I want to be like him." (laughs) But I'm not him. And my father-in-law is a pastor and he's very quick-witted and and answers come to him very fast. And I probably told you this story, but I thought I had to be quick-witted and be able to answer people real fast. But that was Saul's armor. It didn't fit me. I I don't give quick answers to things. I have to think about them. I have to go home and I have to pray about them. And so one day I just decided I was not going to give this person in front of me a quick answer. I looked at them and I said, Susan, I said, you know what? I, I don't know. But if you'll let me go home, I'll pray about it, and I'll look in Scripture, and I'll call you. And I went home, and I prayed about it, and I consulted Scripture, and I believe I had what God wanted, and I came back. It wasn't Susan, but we'll say it was. And I gave Susan the word. And you know what? It worked. And I said, I don't have to be like Steve. I thought I had to be like Steve. Some of y'all are like, I think I need to be like whoever. You don't. In fact, I walked into Steve's office and said, guess what? I don't have to be like you. (laughs) Typical Steve looked at me and said, what's wrong with you? (laughs) Of course you don't. (laughs) But so many times we're trying to to be like each other. And and, and so there is this diversity of the body and we're all made differently. We all have different talents. And, And that's what Paul is saying is it all comes together and it makes this beautiful thing. But if we were to say, but I'm not like so-and-so, there are times where we would look at people and we'd say, I don't have any need for you. That's the verses that I read. The ear looks at the eye and says, I don't need you. And Paul says, that's crazy. Yes, you do. But there are times, y'all, that I have heard believers say, I don't need the church. I'm like, really? Because you something strange that ain't never been created before. No, really. If you think you don't need the church, you something strange that hadn't never been created before. Because when you were saved, you were bought with a price to be put into the body of Christ. Not to be a freelance photographer. Now, now there are freelance photographers and there are freelance uh, writers, but I don't know about freelance Christians. Because we function within the body of Christ. And so there are times where we say, you know what, I don't have need of people, so I want to give you a couple warnings. One warning is is this, that we have made our relationship with God so personal that we don't realize that our relationship is also corporate. That was better than I got a reaction from. It was better. I just want to warn us that there is something going on, particularly in America, that makes everything about the Bible and about Christ and about religion, very personal. So it's my personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's my personal quiet time. It's my personal Bible study. It's my personal walk with the Lord. And yes, you need a personal one of all of those. But you know what? You also need a corporate one. Yeah. You need a corporate one. Which means that if everything about your relationship is personal, you are not where God has placed you because you are also supposed to have a, a corporate time of worship. A corporate time of studying the word. A corporate time of of prayer. And I think we just have to be dangerous of this thing that says, you know what, I'm just going to go off to myself and, and and just do my own thing. Because after all, when you got this much diversity in the body of Christ, there are times you look at that and go, it's just too much for me. You ever done that? You're like, that's just too much drama. There's just too much going on. That's just too many different opinions. There's just too many different stuff. I'm just going to do my own thing. You weren't made to do your own thing. You were made to be part of the body of Christ. And there are times where we just want to, to avoid people. But here's what I want to say about that. You will never learn to love Unless you surround yourself with people. Yeah. I probably need to say that again. You will never learn to love. Unless you allow yourself to be around people. (laughs) Because they're going to teach you how to love. (laughs) Because they're going to frustrate you. And then you're going to have to bring your frustrations to Jesus. And lay that at the foot of the cross. And they're going to make you impatient. Impatient. And then you're going to have to take your impatience and you're going to have to lay that at the foot of the cross. And they're going to make you feel selfish because you're going to want your way. You don't want their way. You want your way. And you're going to have to take your selfishness and you're going to have to lay that at the foot of the cross. And if you're not careful before long when you have laid all that stuff at the foot of the cross, you will look more like Jesus and you will love more like him. Yeah, that was something for somebody if you wanted it. And so there are times where we say, I just don't want to fool with it. I'm just better by myself. I can do more if I just do my own thing. You might, but I tell you what, I don't know if you'll ever learn to love. Because love takes that, that iron, sharpening iron. It's that sandpaper that says, I don't like them. <laughs> Let's just be truthful, right? I, I don't like them them. And and i tell you what you do. You got somebody like that, go and pray about it. (laughs) You got somebody you don't like, go and pray about it and see what God tells you to do. Say, God, I I don't like them. I'm just going to walk away from them and see if he lets you. See if he lets you. Now, there are times he'll tell you, you got to let them cook. You got to let them sit for a little bit. They're not ready. But I've never seen Jesus give us permission to walk away. Just walk away. So we get to the place where you say, Okay, Kevin, I I have a fit. Where do I fit? (laughs) Where where is my my fit? Most of the time, we have not made a firm covenant of love with each other. Did you know that that's what it takes to be part of the body of Christ? That I have made a firm covenant Covenant, just like marriage. That's why Jesus, I mean, in in, uh, in Ephesians, Paul is talking about husbands and wives. And then he gets down to the end and he says, oh, guess what? I was talking about the church. And you look at it and you go, no, you weren't. You were talking about husbands and wives. He's like, no, I was talking about the church because to be a part of the church, you have to have a firm covenant just like a man has with his wife. Which means <laughs> I have to look at Danny and go, you know what? I am in a covenant covenant relationship with her. She is a believer, and so we are connected in the body of Christ. I don't have permission to walk away from her, even when I don't like her. I like you just fine. I go over here. Here's my brother Larry. I say, this is Larry. Did you hear what I said? My brother Larry, my sister Danny. Why? Because we're family. We're supposed to be connected, and so Part of why we can't figure out where we fit and do what we need to do is because we have never connected our hearts with other believers. Oh, now that's important. Do you know what it's like when you connect your heart with somebody? Oh, it's a powerful thing. Mm, way back when I was that youth minister, I connected my heart with that little girl named Brantley Bishop. Now, for some of the young people in the room, I'm going to give you a little pre-marriage advice because it just came up. I'm off script a little bit. Somebody help me get back. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know that finding the person that you are supposed to marry in life is not like finding a needle in a haystack? It's not like finding a needle in the haystack. People are like, oh, I tried it and apparently that didn't work. We just weren't meant for each other. Oh, hogwash. That's foolishness. I just got to find Mr. Wright. I just got to find Miss Wright. <laughs> you can fall in love with whoever you open your heart to. You can. You open your heart to somebody, you'll start caring about them. As a pastor, I'm supposed to position my heart that when you walk through that door right there that I open my heart to you. That's my assignment as a pastor. Did you know that? There are a few of you that came in today, and this is your first time. And my assignment for you was this. I might not even get to say hello to you, but I need to have my heart open to you because there's something spiritual that happens when a person's heart is connected that that person feels like, I think I might belong there. I I think I might belong there. How did they know that they belong there? Because somebody opened their heart up. But you cannot open your heart up. In fact, you can sit in a pew Sunday after Sunday, month after month, year after month, decade after decade, and you never opened your heart to anyone. And then people will walk up to me and they'll say, Kevin, who is so-and-so over there? What's their name? And I need to just start saying, why don't you know their name? That'd be a good answer, wouldn't it? Hey, Kevin, what's, what's their name? I don't know. Go ask them. I bet they'll give it to you. <laughs> we, we have to open our heart. And when you open your heart, then what is my function? Well, just do whatever is needed at the time that it's needed. Some of y'all know BAM that opens the door for everybody when, when we come in. Does anybody want to do without BAM? No. Bam has a fit, and Bam has a function, and Bam seems to know it. Bam says, my job is to smile and open the door for everybody that comes through. Bam will be out in the parking lot picking up trash on Sunday mornings before any of you get here, because he wants it to look nice when you get here. If you spill your coffee, Bam will be the first one to go get the mop to make sure that we get it up. Yeah, and so you just do whatever is the next right thing to do. It, it's like it's like a family cookout. You ever been to a family cookout and tried to figure out what everybody's bringing? The, 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 your, does your family struggle with that too? It's like we'll plan a family gathering and then we got to figure out who's supposed to bring what. And the reality is, we know what everybody's bringing. Because you bring the same thing all the time. (laughs) And we like it that way. In fact, my mom passed away to be one year in September. We got to Thanksgiving, and that's when our families would always get together. Who's going to make the green beans? Because mama made the green beans. She put that fat back in there. You know what I'm talking about? Like, these are not canned green beans I'm talking about. This is not Del Monte. This is mama. Mama put the fat back in there, and and so Dwayne tried, and and, I mean, it was close, but it wasn't Mama's. And and, and Mama made mac and cheese, ooh, some of the best mac and cheese. It had that, that cheese on the top, and it would get brown and crusty, and everybody wanted that little crusty bit of cheese on the top, and Brantley tried, but it wasn't Mama. Because mama made the green beans. And mama made the mac and cheese. And now we just kind of doing the best we can without mama. You know? Do you realize that you have a purpose and you have a place? And the reality is, if you want to know what it is, just start bringing something to the table when you come. Just start bringing what you can do to the table when you come. You're like, well, I can't sing. Nobody asked you to sing. If you're not good at it, we prefer you not Just be honest. Shh. What can you do? Can you serve coffee? Can you encourage each other? Can Can you hug on people? Whatever you can bring to the table, you bring it to the table. And before long, people will start realizing before you do what you're supposed to do for the body of Christ. They'll realize your purpose in place before you do. It didn't take us but to Thanksgiving to realize, Mama made the green beans. <laughs> it won't take you long if Bam is not out there to go, where's Bam? Bam always holds the door. You know? And, 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 and what is your part and what is your place? And so we have a place. And so then to finish this thing up, Ephesians 4.16 says this, that we each do what every joint supplies. Are you supplying something to the body of Christ? And if you're not, will you start? Will you bring something? Can you make green beans? Bring green beans. Can you hold the door? Hold the door. Can you walk in saying, you know what? I didn't just show up here today. I came to bring something. You may get to a place where you can't do too many things, but you can always do this. I go there and pray. I go there and pray. I go there and pray for the pastor and I pray for the worship and I pray for people in their seats. And I I can't get up and go and do as much as I used to do. And nobody expects you to do all those things that you used to do. But you'll get to the place where you can pray, where you can encourage. And in fact, it never hurts for somebody to send a letter to somebody and say, you know what? I just appreciate you. And here's what I appreciate, appreciate about you. Because then you're helping people understand their place in the body of Christ. And then I need to just step on your toes just a little bit before we leave. Can I do that? Can I just step on your toes for just a little bit? You know how you can tell if a person does not know their fit, their place in the body of Christ? Or in anything else. Here's some things you'll notice. They show up late. Now when you hear that, don't go, oh Lord, I showed up late this morning. He's he, he jumping on me. <laughs> this is not about you showing up late. But the person who shows up late generally has this mindset that I'm not important. It doesn't matter if I'm there or not. Or they half show up. They just say, you know what, it doesn't matter if I, I'm there or not. You know, I can come and go as I please because it, it doesn't matter if I'm there. So you watch when people start showing up later, half showing up or they're not prepared when they get there. You're looking at a person who probably doesn't know their fit. Now, you're not supposed to walk out of there and go, I can't believe Pastor Kevin said that I I can't show up late anymore and I got to be there every Sunday or I'm going to be in trouble. You can still go on vacation. That's not what I said. What, What I'm trying to get you to see is the mindset that says I'm not important. It doesn't matter if I'm there or not. doesn't matter when I show up. doesn't matter what I do. That's a lie. You have a place. You have a purpose. And this last thing. I wrote this down this week. And I think I'm just supposed to read it. It's hard for you to know your own worth. It's hard for you to know your own value. It's hard for you to know your own contribution to the body of Christ. It's hard for you to see the impact that you make on other people. And it's hard to feel your own absence. But the rest of us can. The rest of us can. Yeah. yeah. There are people that say it doesn't matter. And I would say that's a lie. It does matter. <laughs> we know. <laughs> we know that feeling you give us. I, I did this at um, Mr. Rick's funeral. I, I said, um, Maya Angelou has this quote, and she said, people will forget what you say and what you've done, but they'll remember how you make them feel. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes you're the person that just makes somebody feel welcome. That, that you're the person that when they see you, they just feel like, ah, oh, you just made my day. And here's what I want you to know. I'm going to say it one more time and then I'm going to turn it over. Dee's going to read something that you haven't heard in a long time that you need to hear again. But I just want to remind you of this because you may have forgotten how important you are to the body of Christ. Here's what I want you to know. It's hard for you to know your own worth. It's hard for you to know your own value. It's hard for you to know your contribution to the body of Christ. It's hard for you to see your impact and hard to feel your own absence. But we do. You're important to the body of Christ,
1: D. Eh? Let the church say amen. I want to do something as we get ready to read this. You know, we went through a couple months where we looked out here, and uh, when we looked, there was nobody in the sanctuary. And it got so downtrodden and depressing that uh, we, we attempted to blow up some balloons and place them on the seat so that we wasn't just staring at the camera, but we would feel some sense of normalcy. And I can tell you this, even when the balloons weren't blown up, Chris Gaddy sits right there, and Crystal sits right there, and Kathy sits there, and Miss Hazel sits there, and Mary and Susan sits there, and Allison Justin sits there, um, uh, Jonathan Allison sit there, um, Anita and her family sits there, Miss Anita Bagley sits there. um, uh, Who else? Let me think, let me think. Typically, after Um, Praise and Worship, Chris and the band, they sit on the very back row, and our teenagers usually sit in that back corner. Um, Savannah and and Gabby and her mom, they sit there, and it's it's like we would have conversations after we would do our weekly uh, meetings, and we would just be talking, and we'd be like, yeah, uh, you saw the, I'm talking about the visitor that sits over there to the left, about the fourth row, and the light shines down kind of where Noble is. That's how we notice you guys. Ms. Burnell sits there. Mama used to sit there. Lucia sat there because everybody matters. It may seem like y'all are just coming in here, but we even know where you guys sit because you mean that much to us. And so when you're not here, we know because we're missing something that we can come up here and sometimes we look and, We'll stand here and we'll preach, and I thank God for Kevin. And I was praying like, okay, all right, stop talking about green beans. Stop talking about mac and cheese because, not because I was getting hungry, but he was going to look right there in that second seat. And so I'm like, bro, Brantley ain't here. I can't hold you. You got to (laughs) stop. But you guys matter. You guys matter. And never forget that you matter. And two years ago, um, for some of you guys that may not remember, but two years ago I stood beside, behind the same uh, podium and I, I I read something. And it's not the NLT version. This is lengthy. Um, and it's lengthy because every word matters. Typically when I'm at work I'll put on uh, Dr. Martin Luther King or some other notable theologian and I'll listen to speeches and things of that nature and I'll jot down different things that jump out And my prayer is that you will hear something that will jump out, but I don't want you to just become so fixated on one thing that jumps out. I want you to take time to really go back and look at every word that I'm about to read because every last one of these words matter. Every one of them matters. It was when our churches came together, Ember and New Life, we came together and we formed one body because we believed that that mattered to God. We believe that it mattered to God that he had a church that was willing to stand and look different um, from what society looked like as it related to 12 o'clock, 11 o'clock on Sunday mornings. But I knew that even then I was speaking a word that was prophetically, and I, I sent it to Kevin the other night. And I said, man, if there was ever a time that we needed to live this out, it would be now. And so I want you to hear these words, even those that are watching my way of live stream. It says this, it says, hand in hand, as we enter into this union, hand in hand, we step out in faith. The hand I freely give to you, Ember and New Life, you enter into a covenant. And the hand that I give to you, we we, we step out in faith. The hand I freely give to we freely give to each other is both the strongest yet the tenderest part of the body. In the years ahead, we will need both strength and tenderness. Now, listen to this if you want to jot down something. It says be firm in your commitment to each other. Be firm in the commitment to the person sitting next to you. Be firm in your commitment to the person sitting across from you. Be committed to them. Be firm in your commitment to them and don't let your grip become weak. When you want to give up, when you hear chatter, when you think God isn't moving, don't get weak. Continue to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And yet, be flexible as we go through change. Don't let your whole become intolerable. Strength and tenderness, firm commitment and flexibilities uh, Of such of these things is how a covenant is made. Hand in hand, we also ask you to remember that you don't walk this way alone. Don't be afraid to reach out when things get difficult. Don't be afraid to ask hard questions because that's how we begin to tear down racial barriers. Don't be afraid to sit at the table and get understanding from someone who may not look like you because that's how we usher people into the presence of God by being willing to sit down and listen to one another. To accept this hand is not a signal of weakness. It's not an admission that you can't do things by yourself, but it's an admission that by faith we can do more together. Behind us, underneath us, and around us, the Lord is reaching his arms out, hugging us. So as we hold the hand next to us, we will continue to hold on to God's unchanging hand, a hand that we will one day shake when we stand at the gates, and we'll hear him say, come in. Well done, thy good and thy faithful servant. We commit this union of ministry together that we may marry each other in the spirit, but operate here in the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Be strong, but yet be tender. Be firm, but yet flexible. That's when you open up your heart, and you become one together. The Bible tells us, it says, and the two shall become one flesh, and they shall dwell together. My prayer is this. Though that was about the churches coming together, and now two years in, we're together, but our commitment was to always remain committed to one another. And I believe this. A commitment is only as good as those that's willing to keep it. If I count on you and you're not there, or you count on me and I'm not there, we can't get the full essence of what we need in that moment. So don't ever leave out of this place feeling like you just come to church. Because if that's your desire, that you go to a place where you just feel like you come to church, if I can uh, be kind of frank, this may not be the place for you. Because we don't want you to come here just because. We want you to come here because you belong, and we want you to come here because we want you to know that you're important to us, and we can not do and get what God would have us to have without you being here with us. So, I welcome you. We honor you guys, and we lo- want to let you guys know again that we appreciate your presence. So, I want to pray for you, and I want to pray for our body together as we get prepared to uh, transition, but also challenge ourselves to so look at ourselves internally, to make sure that we're upholding what God would have us to do. Because listen, we don't want you to leave out of this place and feel the same way. We want you to be in here and know that God has brought you here for a purpose. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that all of us are different, yet we need each other. Father, we thank you for impressing upon the hearts of Kevin and myself to remind each and every member that this isn't a two-part band. This isn't an organization that's head heavy. But God, this is a place that we're only able to function because every part is doing their part. Father, we thank you for allowing Ember to be a place where you don't have to have a social economical status or you don't have a certain, have to have a certain ethnicity. You don't have a, have to have a certain age. You don't have to have a certain level of education. But you can simply come because God has welcomed you into his family. Father, we, we, we thank you that you've made Ember a place of imperfection a place where those who have stumbled, those who have fallen, they can still come back into this place because God realizes that they're still worthy and and they're still important. And so father, I want to pray collectively over everyone under the sound of my voice here and those that are watching by way of live stream. A simple prayer and that simple prayer is this. You matter. You matter. You matter. You matter because God says you matter. Now, God, my prayer is that you would open up their hearts, their minds, allow someone to see the gifts, the talents that you've placed within each and every one of us. Father, I ask that you would cultivate those gifts. Father, I pray that you would bring those gifts to the surface so there there be no deficiencies in the body, but the body will be able to function the way in which you intended in the book of Acts. For us in Acts chapter number 2, verse 42, you said that the church brought all things together so they would have all things in common. So, Father, we thank you for this place called Ember. But more importantly, we thank you for the universal church that you've bought with your son, Jesus Christ. Now, God, I pray that you would just open up the eyes of the people that are here and allow them, God, as they go throughout this week to see the things in which they are successful and the things that they're good in, the things that they're skilled in. And allow them to figure out a way to use it back to give glory unto you. For this is the name of your son, Jesus Christ, that we pray and ask it all. And the redeemed of the Lord said, amen, amen, and amen. Go and be blessed.